Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire. We're back to The Hobbit again. And we're beginning the third chapter, A Short Rest. So, Bilbo and the dwarves have just finished up with their encounter with the trolls. They have a short supply of food they've gathered from the trolls' uh, cave and three swords that they've picked up when we uh, last left off. So at this point, they are going ahead toward the last homely house, or Rivendell, where uh, the elves, Elrond's people live. They cross a a fast-flowing river, a ford. It's unnamed at this point, but uh, in Lord of the Rings, this is the same ford of Brunan that um, Frodo has his crossing of, but uh, none of that comes in here, so... They're getting... uh, up to the foothills of the Misty Mountains. Yeah, Bilbo is like, is it the mountain? No, this is just the beginning of the Misty Mountains. You got a long way to go before you get to the Lonely Mountain and Smog. Bilbo's uh, wanting his comfortable chair at home again. So, uh, Gandalf is leading them toward Rivendell, and, uh, yeah, he's saying it, it's vital that they get there, and talk with the, talk with the elves there, and that they have to, uh, go the proper path to the Misty Mountains, and if they go the wrong way, they're either going to have to head back again, or if they uh, really mess up, they're not going to get back at all. The The terrain is changing. They've got um, an upward slope, heather, moss, and rocks. And, um, they, they don't have any trees, valleys, or hills. There are ravines that they can see trees and waterfalls inside of, and some of them are really narrow, but deep. You don't want to fall into them. flowery bogs with um, they note that if a pony was to go in them with a pack on its back they would not be uh, getting that pony back again is this where the uh, the path is uh, lined with the white rocks yeah that's it the, the path 
It's not always very clear because it's it's an old path, but it's lined with white rocks that the the path that they're following. And um Yeah, these white rocks, some of them are small, some of them are covered with moss and heather, so they're following it slowly because they don't want to lose this path. And once it gets um, pretty late into the evening, um, they come right to the edge of a steep um, fall in the ground. And that's the path into Rivendell. It's very steep. Um, switchbacks down the side of the valley. Smell of pine trees. It's, uh... It's noted the smell of the pine trees is making Bilbo drowsy. Um, I'd think that that would be more like riding all day would be making Bilbo drowsy, but, um... Then the trees change to beech and oak, so I guess they leave the pines behind. And Bilbo thinks that it smells like elves. I don't know what an elf would smell like. They always seemed really clean and pretty in the movies. I don't know, some... uh... Maybe they use soap. (laughs) Yes, maybe they use soap. (laughs) And they sing a a song. Oh, what are you doing? And where are you going? Your ponies need shoeing. A river is flowing. Oh, tra-la-la-lolly. Here down in the valley. And several more verses like that. They can sing better than I can, I'm sure. Um, and. Yeah, the dwarves singing that? These are the elves. The, the elves? elves are singing it. Okay. Um, and the interesting thing is the elves in The Hobbit, they seem kind of silly and mischievous. Um, well, the elves in the movies, they don't seem like they've ever really had fun. Uh. Yeah, definitely not the life of the party that you kind of get the idea from in the book. And, yeah, the the cheerful, mischievous elves, they're kind of, it's pretty toned down in Lord of the Rings, too, um, they still they still seem a little uh a little happier than they do in the movies but um yeah this was a thing that was pretty drastically changed after after the hobbit and bilbo loved elves though he seldom met them but he was a little frightened of them too and the dwarves don't get on well with them. They think that elves are foolish, which is 
said to be a foolish thing to think, and the elves tease and laugh at them, especially about their beards. Now, yeah, when they're uh, crossing over the little bridge, because there's, there's a mountain stream going across the path to the homely house, they're leading the ponies across, and one of them says to Thorin, Don't dip your beard in the foam, father. It is long enough without watering it. Uh, the, wasn't he on his hands and knees? Yeah, he was on his hands and knees crossing that. I have a harder time picturing one of the Lord of the Rings elves making a joke like that. I also have my... Mind Bilbo doesn't eat all the cakes. He is too fat to get through keyholes yet. <laughs> well, I was also thinking in the movie, Thorin's beard wasn't all that long. Yeah. Well, this is the book where Thorin's beard is very long and is tucked into his belt to keep from dragging, I guess. Or Okay, maybe not that that long, but it was tucked into his belt. and Therefore, waist length, at least. Yes. And, yeah, movie Thorn doesn't get to have more than a, a little beard. I remember uh, Richard Armitage, who played Thorin, came up with some explanation of maybe he cut his beard in mourning, and that's why it's so short. So we've gotten to the last yes, homely house. Yes, we've gotten house. to the last homely house. Now, when it says a homely house, you know, I'm picturing a house. Maybe a bigger house, but a house. Every movie adaptation I have seen, except for the animated Hobbit, it's a palace. There's no house about it. It's a palace. And... I'm not, not homely either. Not homely. I'm not 100% sure what Tolkien actually intended as to how big and fancy it is or isn't. Um, you know, they have, they have a hall inside of it for, the Hall of Fire for telling stories. They don't talk about the Hall of Fire in The Hobbit, but um, it's, uh, yeah. It's noted as perfect whether you liked food or sleep or work or storytelling or singing or just sitting and thinking best or a pleasant mixture of them all. And evil things did not come into that valley. And I noted that they stayed for 14 days. They stayed for 14 days. At least. And Bilbo actually liked it enough, you know, he had thoughts of... He, he would have liked to stay. Yeah. And, you know, they fill up on um, more food into their packs and... Repair uh, things that need repairing. And they all got refreshed 
for having their stay there. And they uh, they brought out their the swords for Elrond to um, see what he'd say about about them. Uh, Elrond was um, half elven. He's he had ancestors of both um, elves and humans, and he's a of a current character in Tolkien's writing. He has an important role in Lord of the Rings, also in the Silmarillion. Now, the day they left, they left on midsummer morning. Um, and that's when Elrond told them about their swords. You know, the first thing he says, they're not troll-make. Well, that's... I'd say pretty obvious. They're not Trollmic. They're old swords made by the High Elves of the West in Gondolin for the Goblin Wars. And these uh, High Elves of the West were kin of Elrond's. And how the how the trolls got them, they may have they may have stolen them from other plunderers. Um, I think we talked about this before when in chapter two when they got them and this isn't mentioned in the hobbit but um actually no hang on um the swords had names there was orchrist and glamdring and Glamdring had belonged to the king of Gondolin, and it's it's not mentioned in the Hobbit, but his name was Turgon. Um, and it says Glamdring Foehammer. Yes. And though you don't find out about this till the next chapter, but goblins call it. Uh, beater. And they call Orchrist Biter. Orchrist uh, the Goblin Cleaver. Yes. And Bilbo's little knife sword it was forged for the same wars but it's not famous. It does not have a name. And um, One other thing that uh the map. Yes. Uh, so Elrond uh, studies the map, notes that it has plain runes and moon letters, which are another form of runes. And he was able to read what the moon letters said, which is, Stand by the gray stone when the thrush knocks and the setting sun... W- with the last light of Durin's day will shine upon the keyhole. And Durin's day is the the first day of the Dwarves' New Year, when the last moon of autumn and the sun are in the sky together. And for Elrond to read these letters, the moon had to be the same phase in the sky as it was when it was written long ago. So, uh, a crescent moon on Midsummer's Eve. So, 
they really lucked out, or in this case were more likely fated to have been at Rivendell on this exact day to be able to get this red. And they will have to luck out if they're going to make it to the Lonely Mountain at uh, just the right yes, time. Yes, just the right time. To uh, use this Actually, do they have the key yet? Yeah, they have the key. They have the key. Okay, to use the key at the mountain. Oh, and um, as a side note, this does not come into the story of The Hobbit because Tolkien had not come up with these characters from Lord of the Rings yet. But Aragorn and his mother would have been there at the same time as the dwarves were there, and Aragorn would have been about ten years old. And Elrond, um, his sons and daughter, at least his daughter, possibly his sons, would have been there. Elodan and Elrohir and Arwen. But since these characters had not been invented yet by Tolkien, they're not mentioned. But chronologically, with the timing they would have already been born and they may have been around for this now are we ready to move on yeah we're to ready to move four? on to chapter 4 overhill and underhill um so um they're heading up into the misty mountains where there are many paths and most of the paths were cheats and deceptions and led nowhere or to bad ends and most of the passes were infested by evil things and dreadful dangers. Now, one thing to take note is that Elrond uh, loaned Gandalf a white pony. Because his horse wasn't as well suited to climbing steep mountains. The pony's better for that. They're more sure-footed. And anyhow, they they climb into the mountains, and they find that it's getting bitter cold. And it's getting cold, and Bilbo's missing out on haymaking and harvesting and blackberrying, you know, down below in the Shire. And and uh, the others were thinking equally gloomy thoughts. And uh, um, at this at this point. There's a thunderstorm, a thunder battle where two thunderstorms meet together and clash. So it's crazily storming. It's in the mountains. It's not good to be in the mountains during a storm. Um, Boulders were literally coming down from the hills. And and stone giants are out and they're picking up boulders and thawing them. Not for fun. They're not at the dwarves on purpose, but they're throwing them around. Now, Bilbo and the dwarves sheltered under a hanging rock for the night. And it it wasn't much help. They were still getting rain, the, the wind, the ponies are scared. If you can imagine rain going sideways, that likely occurred because that is an explanation for the rock not sheltering them. 
So. And Thorn is like, yeah, we might get blown off or struck by lightning around. A giant might kick us for a football. Uh, about the giants, they show up in The Hobbit. They are not mentioned at all in Lord of the Rings. And it's possible Tolkien decided he didn't want the, them to be part of the creatures in Middle-earth after all, but they were already there in The Hobbit. Well, Thorin decides to send Feely and Peely off to find a better shelter. And uh, they come back pretty quick, and they're like, yeah. oh yeah, we found a cave. It's yeah. not so big, it's dry, have you thoroughly explored it? Oh yeah, we did. Yes, yes, it isn't all that big. They had their doubts on how thoroughly they explored it, considering how fast they were gone, explored, and came back. But uh, they did follow the, follow them uh, to the cave, and Gandalf explores the cave by using his wand to light the cave up to look around it. And they don't see anything off about it, and Oin and Gloin light up a fire to try their clothes, and... Actually, no. No, they don't. Oh. Yeah, they were they were told not to light a fire, and they laid their clothes down on the floor, and um, they did light their pipes, but they didn't light a fire. And, uh... Anyhow, the horses were also in the cave. They were at the back of the cave. Or I should say the ponies. We're at the back of the cave. And, and uh, everybody found a spot to kind of settle in for the night. And Bilbo is having nightmares. and Pretty severe nightmares. One of the nightmares is that a crack in the back of the cave got bigger and bigger. And that the floor of the cave was giving way and he was slipping and falling down. And he wakes up from one of these nightmares and he sees that part of it's true that there's a crack in the back of the cave open and he sees one of the ponies the last, the last the pony. pony's tail disappearing in the crack and he yells out when he sees this and goblins come out a little lot of them and yeah it says at least six goblins for each dwarf and at least two for Bilbo. So they grab almost everybody, but because Gandalf was woken up at the last minute by Bilbo shouting out, they don't catch him. And he makes a terrific flash like lightning and a smell like gunpowder, and several of the goblins fell dead. And Gandalf had disappeared. So, uh... They... The goblins, they they take the dwarves and they're dragging the dwarves and the ponies down into the cave and and Bilbo and Bilbo and they're singing their uh, down down to Goblin Town song and um, they're taking out whips and um, whipping at the dwarves to get them to go faster and the dwarves are running ahead of the whips. Um, till they reach a big cave that was lit by a, a great red fire in the middle and there were torches along the walls and the 
this uh, great cavern was full of goblins. Lots of goblins. The goblins, um, they're noted as they're cruel, wicked, and bad-hearted. They make no beautiful things, but many clever ones, and they can dig, tunnel, and mine as well as any but the most skilled dwarves. And they like to, they make weapons and instruments of torture, or they make prisoners and slaves make these things for them to their design. And uh, here's an interesting part. It says it's not unlikely that they invented um, some of the machines that um, for killing large numbers of people at once because they are delighted by wheels and engines and explosions. This is interesting. It seems like it's um, crediting the goblins with coming up with um, semi-modern war machines. Is that how you took it? Possibly, yeah. And they don't hate dwarves especially... But they hate everybody and everything. But they do have a specific grudge against Thorin's people because of the war between the dwarves and the goblins. Um, and when 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 they're in this uh, big cavern, the biggest of the goblins, the tremendous goblin with a huge head, was the great goblin. And he got angry upon seeing Thorn's sword. Uh, and th now Thorn had introduced who he was. He just said Thorn, but the goblin, great goblin, knew that it was Thorn Oakenshield because he called him by name. And uh, anyhow, now this uh. This war between uh, the goblins and the dwarves, it can be found talked about in the appendices of um, Return of the King. And um, this was between the dwarves and Azog the goblin. Yeah, he, he was actually not around for this. He was killed many years before. It's not like it was in the movie. Um, his son's still around. Um, and that comes up later. Now, meanwhile, the goblins had chained the dwarves uh, so their hands were behind their backs and they were linked all together in a line with Bilbo linked at the end of the line. And... Uh, And the Great Goblin is questioning Thorn, um, uh, what he's what he's doing here, and he claims he's on a journey to see his relatives, nephews and nieces, first, second, and third cousins, other descendants of the grandfathers who live on the east side of these truly hospitable mountains. You know, Thorn's uh, he's either a bad liar or got a lot of sass. And uh, one of the goblins who had captured them is like, uh, he's lying. Several of our people were struck by lightning in the caves. 
that would be Gandalf um, with his magic blast. And when we invited these creatures to come below, they're claiming they invited the dwarves. And he hasn't explained the ones who are struck by lightning are dead and he hasn't explained this and he pulls out um, Thorn's sword Orcrest and the goblins called it Biter and they hated it and they hated worse anybody who carried it and the great goblin freaks out as their murderers and elf friends Slash them, beat them, bite them, gnash them, take them away to dark holes full of snakes, and never let them see the light again. Oh, you never get to see those dark holes full of snakes. That would have been cool. I like snakes. Um, and... Are the lights gone out now? Uh, yeah, at this point, yeah, the great goblin rushes at Thorn with his mouth open. And the lights went out, and piercing white sparks fell among the goblins, and they're and totally they're burning holes in them. Yeah, the the sparks are burning into the goblins, and they are completely freaking out. Pandemonium, and yeah, they were biting, kicking, fighting, uh, falling all over each other. And a sword flashes with its own light and goes right through the great goblin who falls dead. And a voice says, follow me quick. And... um, They're hurrying because they don't want... They want to get out of there before the torches are relit. And Dory, the strongest dwarf... Who happens to be right next to Bilbo, fortunately. He has Bilbo climb onto his shoulders as well as he could with his hands tied and carries Bilbo on his back. And um, this is Gandalf who showed up and helped him and he lights up his wand, so I assume that's his, his staff. And... Um, Cuts them for quite a while. Uh, they stop. And Gandalf cuts them free from the the ties on their wrists. With the, with his sword, it it cuts through the. And they don't have their ponies anymore. Yet. Sadly, it is very strongly implied these ponies were eaten by the goblins because. They like to eat ponies and horses and donkeys and quote-unquote other much more dreadful things. I'm kind of assuming this means people. Um. Anyhow, after they've been cut free, they continue on because they can hear the goblins, you know, approaching fast. And goblins can run faster than dwarves. So... This time, Bilbo is riding on Bomber's back. And Bomber is struggling because he's quite heavy. It's hot. and And He's, like, sweating profusely from the effort. 
And at this point, um, Thorin and Gandalf um, wait and let the goblins um, get pretty close, and they pull out both their swords. Um, yeah. And the but- goblins, they call Thorin's sword Glamdring beater, and they hate it even more. And they're they're terrified. They run back. Well, they kill some of them. And, but this isn't the last of the goblins. Some of them have put on soft shoes so that they can't be heard. Um, so the fastest runners are wearing wearing soft, soft shoes, shoes. Yes. And uh, one of them. Grabs at Dory from behind while he's carrying Bilbo. Yeah, Dory's got switched. Dory's got Bilbo again, and um, Bilbo rolls off of him. Dory falls because the goblin has grabbed at him, and Bilbo rolls off and hits his head and remembers nothing more. So at this point, it's the end of the chapter. The dwarves have inadvertently gone on without Bilbo and the goblins didn't notice him either. They must have run past him. And Bilbo didn't know where they went because he was out like a light. You know, he's alone, unconscious in a goblin cave. So it's pitch dark. And on that uh, cliffhanger, um, we're done with chapter four. Um, Next um, Hobbit episode, it's going to be Chapter 5, Riddles in the Dark. Um, one of the best chapters in the book. And uh, so stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire.